And now, a special holiday presentation of For Your Information with Zach and John. home for christmas like me and my dad just like chilled out and like tried different bourbons for a little while Ooh. yeah that was all right so what is your favorite like post childhood christmas memory oh man um well most of them are pretty much identical or at least before i moved out here um yeah they're pretty much all the same because we did basically the same thing every year and it's that that process it's like a cycle of things that happen around christmas yeah time that were really good it's so like go into this person's house and then we do the family gathering there and then the next day we go to the next family house and like we do the that side of the family thing and then we go home that night and the drive home on christmas night was always nice because like we were all talking and there's christmas music playing and we always stop at a walgreens for some reason and get like candy you know it's wall it's walgreens open on christmas day it's walgreens so yes <laughs> so, jesus christ like i i can't i can't imagine working at walgreens on christmas day like who the motherfuck is getting prescriptions on christmas day bro it, like it's a dark like world. you plan you plan ahead you plan ahead for these things you know what it's uh it was thanksgiving most recently um i knew i wanted beer on thanksgiving so you know what i did i went and bought beer before thanksgiving if you know you need pills get them before christmas day uh, don't make the poor pharmacist work on christmas day all right but that fuck that's you the thing zach is that if you lived in a good state like well i say good state california is not a good state but if you lived in a place like california you could just get beer whenever you want right as a matter of fact, like, I'm not entirely sure what Pennsylvania's, like, alcohol laws are, like, when they can stop selling. I just know the stores close around, like, 11, but I don't even, like, shop for alcohol here. I go to Maryland because fuck Pennsylvania's alcohol laws. I hate the shit. Yeah, see, out here it's, like, the Wild West, literally, because, like, every town has, like, a corner 7-Eleven, and in that 7-Eleven you can get, like, wine and beer and four locos and bottles of liquor, and they're open 24-7 you can buy it oh, whatever you feel like oh oh that's the thing that's the thing i wanted to talk about on here pennsylvanians we need to rise up all right this is dangerous because... i don't want to get put on a watch list <laughs> okay not rise up but you all need to be angry about this with me fucking in the giant stores giant food stores giant foods giant food stores with the Mahdi's and all that shit. You know what they started fucking selling, John? Do you want to know what they started fucking selling in there? Uh, did they start selling like a small iDog type toy that is just a miniature Marty robot? No, but that's horrifying and that's how the robot revolution starts. So don't even try me. I've seen Terminator and Gremlins. I know how this shit works. Wait, Gremlins? Anyway, you shut the fuck up. Um, anyway... In the, in the giant stores, they're now selling four locos. Uh, okay, what's the problem And here's, here? here's, here's my issue. If you're going to sell four locos and White Claws in your store where you say you only carry beer and wine, but then you have four locos, and then you're too fucking dignified to sell me bourbon in your store, fuck you. Like, I, I don't want a four loco. 
I just want to buy my fucking liquor with my beer. I want to buy them in the same place, but for whatever reason in Pennsylvania, you can't fucking do that. But guess what I can buy at the grocery store? Fucking Four loco. Man, it seems legit. Yeah, man, I don't, I don't know. That's uh, that's pretty uh, not cool. See, I wasn't even familiar with the concept of buying liquor at a grocery store until I moved to California. Right. I mean, like, I've never lived in a place where you can do that, but I would very much like to, and I wish that it was just that way for the whole world. Like, I wish I could just buy weed, guns, and fucking alcohol all at the same store. Like, I could go to Walmart, I could pick up my weed, pick up my smokes my fucking liquor and groceries all at the same time just one-stop shop See, I, I would love that yeah, the one place i think you'd actually be able to do that would be like maybe nevada because i'm thinking like california uh i don't think the california walmarts actually sell guns like you can buy ammo but you can't buy guns uh but you can definitely buy liquor. i think that's i think that's all walmarts now i don't think any walmart carries uh guns anymore i know they for sure don't carry handguns or handgun ammo. Yeah, they haven't carried handguns, like, in a long, long time or ever. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, like, I think that, I don't know, I wouldn't buy a gun from Walmart in the first place, to be honest with you. I mean, you know what, man, I can't disagree with you, but that's more of, like, a local business versus big box thing for me, and not a, I don't want to buy a forty-five and buy a loaf of bread and buy a cheap TV. Yeah, by the way, don't. Uh, anyone that's listening, it, it's it's uh, Christmas. You're probably gonna be buy. You might be buying a TV. D- don't buy. Don't buy the Walmart brand. Don't don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah, I guess it's like, it's no, it's no good. Yeah, weird off brands. Th- there's a there's a reason. Like e- even like the Best Buy brand. Like it's there's a reason that shit is like two hundred three hundred dollars less than what you would get somewhere else. Like don't do it. Like okay, sure the TV might look okay for like a year. And then it's going to burn your house down, so don't do it. Yeah, it's electronics. We should probably take more caution with the electronics. Uh, also, there was a video right. that circulated for a long time talking about cheap Christmas lights and the danger of putting cheap Christmas lights into a real tree. Yeah, uh, actually, I had a I had a friend that that happened to. His tree caught on fire. Yeah, see, that's a bummer because pine trees burn fast and they burn hot. Oh, yeah, they will absolutely destroy your house. Um, also, I remember one year uh, when I lived in Maine, um, we cut down our own Christmas tree, and there was a squirrel in there. Oh, and you brought it into your house. Oh, yeah, we didn't know the squirrel was there. That's pretty awesome. Uh, actually, I think one of my uh, mom's friends back in the day, they brought a real Christmas tree into their house, and there was a whole like clutch of praying mantis eggs in there, and it mm-hmm. hatched in the house because it was warmer, and there were, like, hundreds of baby praying mantises all over the house. Beautiful. Yeah, so uh, be careful with the real trees. I'm not going to say you do the fake ones, but I am going to say be careful with the real ones. So, just be careful with trees. Always tree responsibly. Always tree responsibly. All right. I think it's just about time that we get into the meat of this episode. Into the into the uh, the who hash, the, uh, the who feast. Bro, who hash? If you smoke who hash, what happens to you? Do you get, like, one of those Um, big, like, bulbous-ended noses, like, from the, you know, the live-action Grinch movie? Uh, bitch, you might. Uh, holiday weed is definitely an interesting thing. Mm -hmm. Do you think they have, like, a Christmas wreath variety of nug that has, like, tiny red seeds in it? Like... Are you asking me if there's cranberries in the weed? Because I don't think you should smoke cranberries. Uh, I, that's just what the government wants you to think. I, I mean, I don't see why you can't, but I don't suggest it at all. Anyway, welcome, finally, to 
a special holiday presentation of For Your Information with Zach and John. I am your host, Zach, and my other host is John. Here I am, right here. I don't know how you were surprised. (laughs) Bitch, guess who we got again? John. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, welcome to the Christmas time. Uh, this whole month we're going to be doing Christmas movies, and I thought it would be a great idea to start with a movie that begins on Thanksgiving Day and ends on Christmas Day. Miracle on 34th Street, the original 1947 version, not that bullshit 1994 version. And I've seen so many miracles all across this city. I've seen miracles on 34th Street. I've seen miracles on 35th Street. I've seen miracles on 36th Street. I've seen miracles on 37th Street. I've seen miracles on 38th street i see miracles on 39th street i see miracles on 40th street i see miracles on 42nd street fuck 41st street i see miracles on 43rd street i see miracles all over the streets oh wow um is there a street that you have not seen a miracle on 41st street fuck 44th street oh okay thank you very much ma'am um anyway So, Miracle on 34th Street was released on June 4th, 1947. Um, Christmas movie in June. Yeah. Why? What's that? Especially, especially like, early June. I don't know. I mean, I guess, like, I honestly have no explanation other than, I mean, sometimes you start seeing Christmas stuff come out in July. <sighs> like like in the stores, like uh, you talking about like a Die Hard situation? N- no, 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 no. I'm talking like like when you go into like a department store, you start seeing Christmas stuff rear its head, like in a, in around like June, July. What stores are you shopping at? Um, like, okay, so it's not like Walmart or like you know Kroger's or Giants or whatever the fuck you have out there. You know, it's it's like when you go to like an at home or like a like a. Uh, pottery barn or whatever the fuck they're called okay so stores that are targeted at a demographic of people that will buy christmas stuff before thanksgiving yes so these people must have it down to a science did we underestimate the marketing departments of so many stores and so many companies i mean they, oh yeah they cherry pick out a group of people be like these people shop at this store and you know what else those people do buy christmas stuff before november we are going to exploit the shit out of the poor housewives so just walking around be like oh man i just wish there was some way that i could look at christmas stuff and like buy some of it oh my god look at this pottery barn wow i can buy a christmas tree all year i I actually think that's true i actually think you can do that all year you absolutely can um there's pottery barn there's old time pottery i don't know how many of those are actually still around uh at home uh there's a lot of places like that i never really understood those stores uh they they are chock full of christmas stuff all year though and they've also got oh yeah a lot of good glassware for your cocktails so you don't have to buy an entire set of martini glasses because who buys a whole set of martini glasses yeah i mean like you need two usually like martinis i feel like is a very two people drinking kind of thing yeah or one person drinking or one person drinking and you want to double fist it you want to edward martini hands this edward shit. martini hands that's a new one i'm sorry man my, my frat boy pass is catching up with me <sighs> you know what man i'm gonna let that go I'm, I'm gonna run with that sometime in the future edward martini hands all right so like <laughs> I, I think I've done Edward Mojito hands before. Okay, that's... That was difficult. I threw up. Uh, mojitos aren't that bad. Do you just hate seltzer water that much? No, it's the mint. It, it was the... It was just the... Just the abundance of mint. Like, it just went... Bleh, bleh, bleh. 
All right. I mean, I guess. You know. I mean, okay. Uh, so, Marathon 34th Street, uh, produced by 20th Century Fox, um, directed by George Seaton, who is famous for a couple films. He's not, like, super prolific, but uh, Diamond Horseshoe 1945 was one that I came across that seemed to be a little bit better known. I think this is probably his most famous film. This is, uh, by far, a lot of people in this movie, this is their most famous film. Huh. Like, like it, it stood the test of time. Which is crazy thing about how old this movie is. Like, this may be one of the oldest, like, Christmas movies that we have. Um... It's definitely not the oldest, but it's definitely, like, one of the... I, I would say because, like, Christmas kind of took a turn around, like, this time in history, like, like around the 30s and so, and it started becoming more commercialized. Because before this, you know, Christmas was still just, like, a like a Christian holiday that you would celebrate like you would celebrate Easter. Right. But then, you know, the introduction of, like, oh, Santa Claus gets your kids presents and all this other shit. And then it's like, oh, well, these people are getting their kids santa presents i gotta get my kids santa presents because i don't want to look like an asshole yeah i can see how that could be problematic for your average parent yeah exactly like i mean because christmas used to be like i mean there's been santa since like the 1800s like they used to put like just you know candy and like little gold coins in like stockings and that was christmas but then other parents started to like actually buy kids stuff from the store instead of just like you know candy and shit so that's how Christmas started becoming, like, the marketing joggernaut that it is now. And you know what? Like, That's a major plot point of this, so we're gonna get there. We've got tons to talk about. Exactly, exactly. Um, the music was done by Cyril Mockridge, who also did the music for Cheaper by the Dozen. Yeah, uh, which, come to find out, is based on a semi-autobiographical novel from 1948. It shocks me to no end to know that Cheaper by the Dozen has existed in the pop culture for, like, 75 years. Oh, yeah, it's that movie and uh, Yours, Mine, and Ours. What, what, I don't, like, why? Like, of all things that are going to persist through time, why that? Well, I don't know. It's There's certain things where I don't... Uh, there's certain things in media I don't understand. Like, like these movies. Like, it, these movies have to be for people that either A, have a lot of kids, or B, always wanted a lot of kids, but don't have them. It's just, like, uh, certain Christmas songs. I don't understand who they're for. Like, the, the fucking Christmas Shoes song? Oh, yeah, no. We're not even going to talk about Christmas Shoes this episode. I need more time. No, 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 no. I, I, wa I want to talk about Christmas oh Shoes. Oh, my God. So, basically, doing this and having Cheaper by the Dozen hang around this long is, like, the pop cultural equivalent to finding a cave painting of Alvin and the Chipmunks, and I don't agree with that. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm talking about, like, this is, like, a... It's tired now, but when you find out that it was tired then as well, you're just like, Why? Who went into their backyard with a whole archaeologist excavation kit, dug up this dry dog turd, and said, we're doing this again? I I don't know, because they're out of ideas. And also, it's way easier to sell a existing property than it is to create a whole new and one. And maybe this is where the Christmas shoes thing comes from, because it's almost like a Tiny Tim story all over again, where there's like a small, dirty boy... Um, the guy has some money, and he ends up deciding to help the kid out, even though the kid should probably be with his mom on her deathbed, and I don't know why he's in this fucking shoe store. Yeah, because it's like, she's going to die, kiddo. She's probably never going to put the shoes on. Right. She's in bed. And, like, if you want her to look beautiful when she meets Jesus tonight, buying this pair of camo Crocs is probably not going to help her out. <laughs> exactly. They never say what kind of shoes they are, so I guess you could just... Whatever the popular shoes are of today. Reebok pumps. <laughs> Reebok pumps. Uh, Crocs. Jesus uh, Croc sandals. Um, Exotoes. Uh, <laughs> Uggs. I don't know. It's, it's almost like, dude, like... 
like, sometimes with media, it's like fantasy fulfillment. So, like, you know, people watch something because they want to be that. Like, you know, like big action movies, like, you want to be a big action guy. You want to be, you know, the guy that can save the day. You know, Christmas shoes, I I can only imagine some fucking deranged, like, woman or man that wants to pretend that they're dying and, like, see how their kid feels about it. Like, I just, I don't understand what the fantasy fulfillment is here. And even if there is a fantasy fulfillment... I don't want to know that so person. So you're saying that this is like a hero complex type situation where someone is like, I want to be generous, so I'm going to listen to a song about someone being generous, and that's going to warm my heart because it would warm my heart to help someone out like that, even if the premise is completely bunk. <laughs> yeah, that or like, oh man, I wonder if my kid would do this for me if I was dying. Like, no, come here, kid. Like, like what? <laughs> Come, how, how about you spend some time with me? How about I want to see my child in my last dying hours? That would be nice. Uh, how about you get out of the fucking shoe store? Why do you... I guess I'll wear these when they cremate me. Thanks. Nothing... Uh, could you imagine getting cremated in a pair of Crocs? Um, if you... Uh, I, this is to anyone who loves me who will be running my funeral. If you cremate me in Crocs, I will not only haunt you, I will take over hell. And make sure every one of you and your kin ends up there and I will punish you for the rest of eternity. If in any of that even exists. Are you just going to have like a demon with like a cat of nine tails that has a croc at the end of every strap? Just flogging people with crocs? Um, yes. Crocs with nails in them. Wow. Alright. This got pretty metal for a pair of crocs. This also got dangerously off the rails. We are very, very, very far off because we're talking about Christmas music and Cheaper by the Dozen, how it's all defunct. Nobody wants that, but they keep doing it. And now Christmas shoes is a thing because, uh, I don't know, Ebenezer Scrooge decided to give Tiny Tim a turkey and uh, now we have a modern day thing where the guy has money and he's at the shoe counter and the kid wants to buy a pair of like blaze orange camo Crocs for his dying mother and so then he buys them the Crocs. I, I guess it's a mercy move. I don't know. Uh, well, let's not talk about it anymore. Who's, who's singing, who's singing the Camouflage Crocs version? Is it Larry the Cable Guy? No, it's just New Song. Just New Song? Yeah, the, the, the actual group that does the song. Oh my god, okay. Um, speaking of making tons of money off bullshit, uh, this movie, um, its budget was $630,000 and its lifetime box office is $2.7 million. Considering the time... That's pretty good, and considering it was released, again, in June... Yeah, I was trying to figure out why that happened. Apparently, the producers thought that um, not a lot of people go to the movies in December because of snow and because of weather conditions, so we need to release this movie in June, and then the advertisers went, okay, fucking what? And actually released this as a stealth Christmas movie. They did not, they tried to hide the fact that it was an actual Christmas movie in the advertisements. You know what? That makes a lot of sense. Because looking at the stuff while I was doing research, I was like, this doesn't look Christmassy at all. It's like a yellow placard type. Uh, Mm -hmm. This doesn't look like Christmas. It could have been white. Even black and white would have been better. Or like a yellow and white. Or like, not yellow, uh, red. A red and white. Or like anything would have been better than just yellow movie poster, black and white photos. It looked like they were trying to sell the love story between uh, the lawyer and the mom. Like it, it looked like it looked like that's that's what that poster makes it look like. That's not what the story is though. That's not even close. Is it not? No. 
I mean, it's definitely part of it. Yeah, but that's... Uh, we'll get there. Don't do not do this. <laughs> Let's get on into the cast here. So, uh, the man himself, Chris Kringle, uh, played by Edmund Gwen. Edmund Gwen. I believe that he was Santa Claus. Like, 100%. Like, and apparently he just acts like that in real life. So, he is basically just playing himself here. Correct. Huh. Okay, I can get down with that. I believe that. I feel like maybe there was a little bit more purity at this time, this way. Like, I don't know, if you're an old man and you're nice and, you know, you're just kind of like Santa Claus. But then again, in that purity, you also get a dark side where if you're this old man and you're not nice, then you're H.H. Holmes. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Um, He actually ended up winning Best Supporting Actor, uh, like, at the Academy Awards for this role. Is this a supporting role? I feel like he's like a star. Yeah, well, it is a supporting role because I guess technically the main billing is uh, the lawyer and the mom. Uh, so uh, Doris Walker, played by Maureen O'Hara, and Fred Gailey, uh, played by John Payne. Okay, so they really did not do this well. If they were trying to sell the love story, they should have done that more. There should have been more screen time for that and less screen time of oh, kids oh, sitting on oh, Santa's no. lap. No, 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 no. You don't understand. When they finished the movie and it went to uh, the head of 20th Century Fox's lap, the movie was already done. So he just... That's what happen- That's what happens when these advertisers get the movie, usually. The movie's done. Or damn near finished. <sighs> so... So, and even... And back in those days, there was no, like, going in and CGIing Princess Leia in there. Like, you couldn't just do that shit. I would have been interested to see as Princess Leia in this. Um, considering it is, uh... About th- ex- almost exactly 30 years before Star Wars came out, I, I guess that would be interesting. Bro, but now we have movie magic in the form of CGI. Very, very adept CGI. Like, we, we can do a lot with it now. So, like, why not, man? Why not throw Jabba the Hutt in there? Why, why can't Jabba the Hutt be Santa Claus? Um, It's all Fox. Technically, I, Disney I don't... owns this, too. Yeah, actually, uh, d- d- this movie is actually on Disney Plus. So if you've never watched it, uh, watch it. It's a great time to watch or it. Don't buy Disney Plus because uh, we don't contribute John, to corporate monsters. John, it's seven dollars a month. Just get oh it. Oh my gosh! <laughs> All right, cool. Um, let's move on because I don't want to get really upset right now. Um, okay. Uh, critical reception. No crying on Christmas. A critical reception. So, uh, rocking an IMDb score of 7.9 out of 10 and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 96% means that this is a very, very high scoring movie. People remember it very fondly. Um, oh, yeah. A lot of people reading over some of the reviews that both professional and like casual critics have made, people view mm-hmm. this as a purist Christmas movie, even though it doesn't necessarily like center around Christmas, really. It's between Thanksgiving and Christmas. It was released in June. But, like, the, the memory of the film is that it's not something that relies on a gimmick. It's not something that is really, like, lore-based. You know, like, the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer Christmas special is memorable, lovable, all that stuff, but it's a claymation about reindeer. That's kind of a gimmicky Christmas thing. This could have happened in right. real life. This is a drama, or a comedy drama. Drama? Yeah, it's... Comedramada? Comedy drama. And I think that's why, like, it's a very good, like, beginning of the Christmas season movie to watch. Like, this is always the first movie I watch. Like, to get into the Christmas spirit, because there's nothing, like, fantastical happening, but, like, it's got, like, that Christmas feels. Like, it, 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 it is, I, I agree, like, it's a purist Christmas movie. Like, it, like, if you want, like, something that exists within the real world, and you don't want all that other shit that you were just talking about, this is the movie for it's you. It's like Home Alone Lost in New York with less, I don't know, breaking and entering. <laughs> um, 
breaking and entering and uh, using your dad's credit card. Uh, well... How how good must his dad's credit card be, by the way? Anyway, we're not talking about Home Alone 2 Lost in New York. Hey, maybe we should. Um, maybe we should do a review of that. Uh, we will eventually. But we also kind of have to stick to movies that I don't have any experience with, and I have actually seen that one. Oh, Jesus, you've seen that yeah, one. Yeah, I've seen, actually seen all of them, believe it or not. Damn. Yeah, the boy. fourth one was terrible. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, anything after two in a series is usually terrible. But three was good. I think three was better than two. I I disagree. Uh, di- didn't Home Alone 3, didn't that take it out of the Christmas setting? No, it was still Christmas time, but it was in, like, Chicago, and it was a different kid. Oh, fuck that. Yeah, fuck you. Fuck <laughs> out of here with that noise. <laughs> All right. This is the best, like, most friendly Christmas episode. Hey, man, we're just, uh, we are trying to evoke that, um, that energy of negativity that most people get when they go home for the holidays. Well, you're gonna feel right at home here. We got everything you want. We got squabbles. <laughs> we got the F-bomb. We've got booze. We've got drunk uncles. Um, and speaking of booze, uh, John, what did you whip up for me this week? I got something really cool for you. So we're going to get to this part later on in the plot, but um, it's not something that I can actually recreate for you. So later on in the movie, uh, I'd say maybe about halfway, uh, Mr. Shellhammer, the manager, says that he's going to talk to his wife about maybe letting them rent a room to Chris Kringle so that he can stay in Manhattan rather than where he's living, which is outside of town. Okay, that's fine. They don't want him to commute. I get it. So he says he's going to go home and make the martinis triple strength. That's not a thing. That's not possible. What what do you mean it's not possible? All right, so your regular martini is going to be kind of like a regular martini, whatever that means. Uh, It's going to be like two parts gin, one part dry vermouth, and then you can add other things like olive brine or lime or lemon or whatever it is that you're going to be making. If you want like a Vesper martini, that's like more gin. But even then, think about it this way. So we'll we'll take it real basic, and we're just going to do two ounces of gin and one ounce of dry vermouth. How are you going to triple the gin and not triple the vermouth? Are you just going to have six ounces of gin and one ounce of vermouth? Um. Just hand them the bottle. Just give them gin. I... I guess I didn't think about it that way. Yeah, like, there's really no way to make, like, a triple strength, like, alcoholic drink. Well, I mean, some drinks I could maybe understand. If you want to make a Jack and Coke triple strength, okay, let's say you have uh, an 8-ounce Jack and Coke. It's 6 ounces of Coke, 2 ounces of Jack Daniels. You could do 6 ounces of Jack Daniels and 2 ounces of Coke. Why? I don't know. I guess you could do that. Just drink the Jack Daniels. But I would understand that more than a martini, because why? It's a it's a martini. Just, just take the vermouth out. Just don't... Just drink gin. It's not tasty. It's not carbonated. Like, it, it's supposed to be a gin-forward cocktail. Don't... It's mostly gin at regular strength. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So anyway, I'm done ranting about that. This is a martini-type drink, I guess you could say, but it's uh, not conventional in that it doesn't really have any gin, and the ratios are a little different. What I have made for this time it's something a little bit more holiday something a little bit more palatable and something that everybody can enjoy this is the peppermint mocha teeny peppermint mocha teeny yeah and it sounds really fancy it sounds very starbucks but it'll do way more for you than that okay lay it on me so depending on how much you like coffee you may want to change this part of the recipe so when i made this for myself i used three ounces of black coffee if you like it a little more thick maybe you want like uh maybe an actual like mocha consistency for the beverage uh you could maybe do two and a half ounces of black coffee and an ounce of 
or half an ounce of half and half. Or you could do two and a half ounces of black coffee and a half ounce of heavy whipping cream. Whatever it is that you want, whatever it is that you're into, do that to your taste. What I did was three ounces of black coffee, a half ounce of Kahlua, three quarter ounces of Bailey's, a half ounce of creme de menthe, and a half ounce of whipped cream vodka. Wow, that sounds sweet. It is. Um, fortunately, the coffee itself is not sweetened in any way. It's just straight black coffee. You'll take all of these ingredients and mix them together uh, in a mixing glass or part of a cocktail shaker, whatever it is you happen to have. And um, you're going to add a bar spoon's worth of chocolate syrup. Okay. And you're going to mix it all together, mix it up real nice, strain it into a stemmed glass. You use like a coupe glass or a martini glass. Uh, clearly, a martini glass would be what most people would go for. And it's done. Not that complicated. If you got coffee and you got all these ingredients, uh, you can make yourself a nice coffee-flavored drink. A little bit of peppermint, a little bit of chocolate, a little bit of coffee, all the stuff that you want around the holiday season. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So while that doesn't really make an appearance in the movie, it is impossible to make a triple-stick martini, so here you go. <laughs> here you go. Uh, there was a little bit of controversy around this movie. Uh, at the time, things were a little bit more uh, traditional in Hollywood. Th like, people didn't want to portray things that weren't, like, quote-unquote, correct or the nuclear family. So the fact that one of the characters, Doris Walker, is divorced, and that is a major plot point as her being a working single mother, was not received very well. No, and I don't necessarily understand why. Like, I, I mean, I guess, like, being a divorced woman in this time was horrible well being a single mom probably had some connotations i mean uh oh okay i i guess i guess i'd see where that's going right. even though it is pretty clear that she was divorced it's not as though she was a god forbid you be an unmarried mother yeah god forbid like that doesn't happen every single day uh, right or back then and people just didn't talk about it right <laughs> you find someone else who's having a kid like your friend and you give them your kid and they had twins there you go hey man Take one for the team. Take one for the team. Take care of my baby, and I'm going to go move to another town and uh, skank it through there. There you go. Ooh, all right. <laughs> so, uh, that being said, let's go ahead and move into the movie. Yes. Um, one thing before we go there that I just wanted to mention. Um, there's always been a big debate about this movie, whether you should watch the colorized or the black and white version. Uh-huh. Um, the colorized version was released in 1985 on Laserdisc, along with the black and white version. Um, and I just wanted to let you guys know that it this was actually one of the first movies that they did that with. They actually used NASA computer technology to painstakingly colorize every single fucking cell in this movie. And um, it doesn't really matter which one you watch. Um, they're both still in the same aspect ratio. If you want to watch it in its original intended format, which is how I prefer to watch movies, the black and white is a great option. See, it still looks great in 4K, looks beautiful. However, if you just can't watch black and white for whatever reason, like I know a lot of people say like watching black and white movies makes their head hurt somehow. I don't know why. Maybe it's stupidity, but... Um, the colorized version is also fine because it is in the correct aspect ratio. As long as you're watching the movie in the correct aspect ratio, it does not matter what restoration it is. It doesn't matter any of that. As long as you watch it in the correct aspect ratio, that's all I ask you. See, I refuse to believe that there are people in this world that 
get headaches from watching black and white movies but not from watching any other type of movies like there are people that are gonna go to like i don't know universal studios and they're gonna ride the like guy fieri 4d flavor town adventure ride and they're gonna be just fine but then as soon as they sit down to watch miracle on 34th street they're like oh black and white movies make my head hurt i can't watch this what like what you're gonna get flipped what? upside down and flavor blasted with dorito dust while guy fieri does this whole thing with the sunglasses on the back of his head and that's fine what universal studios did you go to the good one did you go to Dismaland? That sounds like something that would be in Dismaland. Oh, I forgot about Dismaland. Dismaland. No, I mean, uh, fuck you. Fuck you, Banksy. Guy Fieri, he's got like a whole, uh, he's got like a whole restaurant series, so it, it, it stands to reason. Like, imagine if Jimmy Buffett had a Margaritaville restaurant. Uh, he has one. That's uh, totally believable. He, what if he also had a resort hotel? He's got that too. So why can't he have a theme park? I... <sighs> Listen, listen. I am fully on board for a Jimmy Buffett-style theme park where it's just margarita, like, frozen margarita machines everywhere, like, lotto machines, and, like... It's basically a casino. It's basically a casino with just Hawaiian-shirted fat people everywhere. And I'm fine with that. However, it has to go in Dollywood. It cannot be its own separate thing. Okay. All I'm thinking is, like, keep it simple, right? You got, like, the cheeseburger ride, which is, like, the um, the teacups at Disney World, but they're just burgers that spin around. I, When you say cheeseburger ride, I just fully imagine it being a um, a roller coaster type thing, but it's, like, a very, like, relaxed roller coaster. And there's, like, a bed on the inside of, like, the burger car, I guess is what we'll call it. And, like, curtains that go around it. And that is where you can have your honeymoon. I like this That's idea. what I imagine. That's what I imagine when I see the Cheeseburger in Paradise ride. Because that sounds like the kind of trashy thing that's going to go down at Jimmy Buffett land. You can put it right next to the, like, Gravitron, like, launch ride, you know? Where it straps you in and shoots you straight up. But it's all painted blue and it's, like, called, like, the Cialis Borealis. <laughs> <laughs> you got me good on that one. You got me good. See, this is totally um, doable, Zach. We, we just need to be in the right place at the right time, and we need to... How did we get here? What are we talking about? I don't know, but to answer your question, we're going to have to wait for Jimmy Buffett to go senile, which could be any day now, so we need to prepare because preparedness plus opportunity equals luck. See, Jimmy Buffett can't go senile yet. We haven't had our cage match with Jimmy Buffett versus Warren Buffett. Jesus Christ. Um, You know what, John? I, I think I'm going to switch out co-hosts now. I think I'm gonna let Frank Synopsis take it for the next five minutes. Oh, hey, hey I'm. Uh, <laughs> oh God! You thought that I was gone, but I am, uh, in fact, not gone. I am here, and you might be asking yourself, uh, "Hey, Frank Synopsis, is that, is that is that a little scotch I smell in your breath?" And let me tell you, that is not true. I would never do that. That is a lot of scotch that you smell on my breath. F Frank, when did you have time to build a trap door in my house to come out of and do this? I did not give you permission to build this. I do not own this apartment. I, you cannot do that. That is stage magic and breaking uh, and entering. This is not a stage. It It is definitely breaking and entering. Now, please just tell me what this movie is about and leave my home. Oh, we got a lot of stuff. We got New York, which is my favorite place in the world, next to Newark, which is in New Jersey. I...
Oh, please, please, just keep it in New York. Just keep it in New York. That's the only place this movie takes place in. All right, well, let's get into this synopsis. Chris Kingle crashes the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and takes his first paid position as Santa Claus. Doris Walker, a Macy's representative, hires Chris as a Santa at the Macy's on 34th Street and soon realizes just how seriously Chris takes his job. Chris uses his charm to bring people together and spread Christmas cheer, much to the chagrin of Doris and Macy's own mad doctor, Mr. Sawyer. A psychological evaluation puts Chris in Bellevue, but attorney Fred Bailey comes to his and proves that Chris Kringle is, in fact, Santa Claus in the court of law. In a court of law. Thank you, Frank. Very succinct, very nice. Have a Merry Christmas, and please fill this hole that you made this trapdoor out of. I can make no promises. <sighs> I'll, bi- I'll bill your agent. I'll bill your agent. Just get the fuck out of here. All right, John, are you back? Oh, I'm here. I, I never left in spirit. You never left in spirit. All right, you know what? Let's get right into it. Let's Go for it. All right, so it opens up on Chris Kringle, or we don't know he's Chris Kringle yet, on a man that looks kind of like Santa Claus walking around uh, the streets of New York. Uh, The title cards are laid over the video. That was something new for periods of this time. I don't think I've actually seen that in a movie before this. Yeah, it's, um, it was definitely a newer thing to do. Uh, It's, it happened more in the 40s because uh, editing technology became better. And they could overlay the title cards on top of the already existing film. They couldn't do that before. Interesting. I mean, it's yeah. stuck around, clearly. Most of the movies in the future, and I guess at this point, future can be like 1965. But, I mean, pretty mm-hmm. much everything else had titles over video. Correct. So that just kind of ended up being the way of the way of the times. And then we stopped doing credits in the beginning. Um, yeah, Star Wars was the first movie to not do it, and they actually almost got fined for not doing Beautiful. it. Beautiful. Gotta love movies. So, Chris is walking around the streets of New York. He sees a shopkeeper setting up a Christmas display. Uh, we know that the movie takes place on Thanksgiving, but at this point, we don't know that. So, someone coming into this movie is going to be walking into a movie theater in June, sitting down, watching a guy look like Santa Claus walking around, and corrects a guy for putting the reindeer in the wrong order. They don't even know it's Thanksgiving in the movie yet. <laughs> is this a Christmas in July thing? What is this? I guess they do Christmas in July in New York big. I don't See, know. This is the uh, the old-time pottery, like the first store. <laughs> and so they've got the, the Christmas stuff year-round. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Literally. So after he's done berating the store clerk for doing nothing wrong, yeah. um, <laughs> he goes uh, and sees the, Thanksgiving, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade getting set up. Yeah. And runs into a very drunk Santa. That's not, that's Frank Synopsis. <laughs> that's actually Frank this Synopsis. This is the first, first movie role. appearance of Frank Synopsis. Because he was an actor, too. Is an actor, if you, you know, kind of look at it in a certain way. <laughs> he's still in our hearts and minds. Right. So th- even though, right now, he's a headache in my mind, and I want him to He's leave. got a headache in his mind, too, perpetually. Jesus Christ. Chris is absolutely appalled at this drunk santa and goes and finds his manager like the boomer he is and his manager happens to be mrs walker uh the the, i guess the main character of the movie i think that you could be safe in calling her that Uh, i think chris kringle would also have a really hard time at any point after like 1974 because most small santas are probably not sober correct um i i would think after a while you would at least have to go take a few puffs of a cigarette like just jeez christ these kids yeah uh chris kringle doesn't actually smoke in the movie like even though there's a lot of people smoking because it's the 40s and that's what you did uh he seems pretty clean i guess i don't know that's not 
not a part of this right yeah, now. Yeah, pretty pretty pure. But anyway. Yeah, so he goes to um, Miss Walker. Uh, she says she needs a new Santa. He says, I'll be Santa. Or asks if he can be Santa, I guess. I mean, that's just like a, sure, right place, right time. That's very Hollywood, I guess, in hindsight. I mean, how often are you actually going to be Santa Claus IRL, though? Right. It's just like I was talking about earlier, John. Preparedness plus opportunity equals luck. You know what? I believe it. So he gets dressed up in the Santa suit. He gets up on the parade. They have a great time in the streets. Um, at the end of the parade, this is kind of like a like a mob. I don't really know what that's all about. It looks more like a Black Friday than a Thanksgiving. <laughs> well, I mean, Black Friday directly precedes Thanksgiving. As a matter of fact, by about 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Most people eat dinner at about 4.30. Stores open at 5.00. There you go, man. And eh, I don't even know if that was a thing back then. Probably not. But in this process of the uh, the Thanksgiving Day parade being underway, uh, Fred is the neighbor of Mrs. Walker. Uh, Susan, her daughter, is watching it with him. And we see them talk a little bit. We learn a little bit about Susan, how uh, Doris, her first name, Mrs. Walker, um, is raising her to not believe in, quote-unquote, like, magic. Like, she doesn't believe in fantastical things. She doesn't believe in Santa. She doesn't believe in any of that stuff because her mom, like, religiously tells her that it's not true. And I guess this is like a, um, uh, like a stand-in for, like, what the modern world does to, you know, the fantastical things that people used to believe in. Like, you know, the cruelties that people see in the world, especially, like, post-World War Two, like... You know, so a lot of, like, the magic that was, you know, in the 30s is just kind of gone now. Yeah. Like, like you know, coming home from World War One, you know, everything was pretty good. Actually, no, it I wasn't. Mean, what am I talking in about? In the States, it was okay. <laughs> I mean, they weren't touched by it. That's true. Anyway. Um, yeah. And so Susan just does not believe in anything. Um, I th- there's this kid. Or there, there was always this kid in uh, your classes in elementary school that just like would not play pretend, did not believe in anything, and uh, it's because her parents were probably fucking hippies. Yeah, uh, this is a punk rocker in the making, also maybe a sociopath in the making. That that was also what I was thinking. Is like if you truly believe in nothing, how could you ever become something? Like at the very end of the movie, when she like runs out of the room, uh, we'll tell you what room that is later. You can just hear she just like becomes a serial killer i actually want to talk about that when we get there all right well let's um, get the, the ending of this movie is very interesting right. so uh susan's told not to believe in magic fred has a hard time with that but he talks to mrs walker about it and uh he kind of begins to understand but he's growing closer to susan and we also learned that he's kind of hanging out with her so that he can meet mrs walker or get to know mrs walker um yeah this is another one of those things like just like what we talked about in um uh the wolfman uh this kind of thing would not work now this would get you arrested it very well could i mean even now like the very concept of having like a single man in his like probably 30s uh kind of hanging out with a kid on her own for the holidays or like for any kind of holiday event it is strange like neighborliness is not very strong these days and this is definitely not something people would be like oh yeah that's fine at first glance they'd be like what the fuck's that guy do? Why, why is he wanting to hang out with this kid all the time right it, it gets very michael jackson-y very quick right uh see that's the magic you can believe in disgusting <laughs> anyway um so let's uh 
go on to the next part, John. I'm sorry. Okay. So, Chris, when he goes to Macy's to start working as a Santa, uh, talks to one of the guys working there. He also dresses up like a Santa sometimes. Uh, he becomes a recurring character, but more importantly, Mr. Shellhammer, who's the manager, comes down and gives him a list of toys that he's supposed to tell kids who don't know what they want for Christmas that they should check out, that they should go look at so that they can, you know, get it for themselves. He doesn't like this. Uh, he's very much against the idea of commercializing Christmas, which I think is a good sentiment, but it's also terrifying, considering that this was an idea that existed in 1947. Oh yeah, and it's just off the rails uh, Yeah, now. like if they could look now and see like the Alvin and the Chipmunks remake, and Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas being played on a 24-hour loop for a month straight, and uh, I don't know, Black Friday deals run amok, Cyber Monday deals run amok, I mean, what is going on? How is that... Uh, I don't even want to think about what they would say. What would Chris think? What would Chris Kringle do? WKKD. Uh, he, he would probably fucking kill himself, dude, to be honest That's with really you. That's really dark, but we'll get there. Uh, so... <laughs> So, um, Fred actually takes Susan to see Chris as the Santa in the, you know, the, the main Macy's on 34th Street. And, um, Susan... Ah, yes! Yeah, she's not having a good time. Ah, yes! Ah, yes! I will make this woman love me by deliberately disobeying her and taking her daughter somewhere that she has no idea I'm taking You're gonna her. love Santa. I'm gonna take you to Santa. You're gonna love Santa. <laughs> Is he drunk? Jesus. I mean, <laughs> who knows? Who knows? <laughs> so uh, they go there. She's kind of objecting to it. She talks to Santa's face and says, you're not real. You're not really Santa. That's not a real thing. Um, I wonder how often that happens to mall Santas. Um, I'm sure it has to happen at least four or five times a day. <laughs> and and probably towards the end of the day, it's like, you know what, kid? You're right. Just tell me what you want. Take this picture and make your mom happy and shut the fuck up. Like he's out. just like standing in his bathroom with like the suspenders on, like the red velvety suspenders on, beard all haggard, eyes bloodshot, looking in the movie like, who am I? I'm not real. Am I? Who am I? Am I the real Santa Claus? I don't know. I'll write that yeah, song. Yeah, we'll do that, it later. That'll be uh, on our Christmas album. On our Christmas album, Frank Synopsis presents a four-year information Christmas album. Anyway, we're not doing that. We're doing this right, right. now. So, uh, Susan steps off, and you know, he's talking to Fred. A little Dutch girl comes up with her mom, come to find out that the Dutch girl was uh, adopted by this lady. And Chris is able to speak to her in Dutch. She doesn't really speak English that well. And considering the timing, this is really dark. A Dutch orphan in New York, 1947, if she's seven years old, that means she was born in 1940. Her parents were killed in the war. Yes, and I was thinking that exactly. And, um, but if it makes you feel any better, um, the, uh, the untranslated dialogue is pretty much this. Uh, Chris asks the child what she wants for Christmas, and she says she wants nothing, telling Santa she got her gift by being adopted by her new mother. That's very heartwarming, and I am an uncultured swine and don't know how to speak Dutch, so, uh... Oh, I don't either. I just looked it up because I was like, okay, someone had to have translated this at some point. Yeah, what if they were just talking about, like, uh, the hot dog stand on 32nd Street? <laughs> Ms. Walker tries to get Chris to explain himself out of character. He keeps insisting that he's Santa Claus, and then Susan is exposed to that, and she's worried. Again, she's being a real helicopter parent about this not believing in Santa thing. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a ridiculous thing. Like it's kind of like a like this is really the hill you want to die on. Like your kid not believing in Santa Claus. Like what like what harm could it possibly do? Like what unrealistic expectation is being set by believing in Santa Claus? Like I don't I don't get 
like her point. In we this. learn later on, and we'll get there. The tagline for this entire okay. podcast. So, um, Chris actually produces papers saying that he is in fact called Chris Kringle. That is his name, and uh, they just took that and they were like, "All right, cool, you're on payroll now." <laughs> yeah, like um, I guess back in the, and actually on his next of kin, it says all the reindeer. Yeah. And not Mrs. Claus. I guess there is no Mrs. Claus. So, is he just, like, a bachelor, like, living in the North Pole? Um, yeah. When he calls bitches up on Tinder, he says, you can come up to my North Pole. I never, ever want to hear that again in my whole life. Yo, dude, like... He's he's a cute little old man. He probably gets it, oh, dude. Oh yeah, you, th- you you think he pulls? Yeah, bitches bitches gonna get with a dude named Chris Kringle. Uh, could you imagine? He, he's the, he's the he's the gift that keeps on coming and giving. I never ever want to hear that out loud again <laughs> in my whole life. <laughs> I am just swinging a thousand today. That's anyway. all. So Miss Walker tries to fire him. Yeah, she tries to fire him because she had some sort of bug up her ass. And Mr. Macy says, uh, no. <laughs> Mr. Macy is like, uh, fucking nope. Do you know how much money this guy's making us? Um, and actually, interestingly enough, the real R.H. Macy died in 1877, 70 years prior to this movie being released. So is he supposed to be like a descendant, or is he like a fictional character, much like, uh, I don't know, Jack Frost, Buddy the Elf, uh, Santa Claus himself, and... Or the Planter's Peanut. Like, I'm sure, like... The Planter's Peanut we see now cannot be the same one from when they started. No, I, they probably had to reshape his image because of the whole, like, you know, the South and the peanut farming thing and how that was, like, not sensitive for, like, many groups of people. <laughs> New BuzzFeed article. Are monocles racist? Yeah, uh, is this the dark history of Mr. <laughs> peanut? Jesus Christ, I feel like we just birthed an idea into the world. Anyway. <laughs> we did. The Monopoly Man? Mr. Peanut? The Monopoly... What do they all have in common? Possible racism? Find out tonight on 60 Minutes. Old white money in America. How monocles ruined this country. Oh, God. That's more of a true TV thing, but uh, we digress. Right, right. So, Mr. Macy explains the importance of Chris being there. um, What he's doing, his strategy in, like, not forcing stuff on people. And being like, hey, if your kid really wants this thing, you can get it here. Um, His knowledge of toy stores is pretty exceptional. Yeah, like... If he's not Santa Claus, because, like, that's the whole thing about this movie is, like, do you actually believe that he's Santa Claus in the movie? Exactly. It's like, how how would he know any of that? Good question. Maybe he uh, lives on the street and he goes into toy stores so that he can uh, not be cold. But, like, what would be the motivation for him to know toy prices? Like, he has an extensive knowledge of all toys available everywhere. I mean, to me, like, you'd have to be Santa Claus to know Fair that. enough. I think that that qualifies you to be Santa, if nothing else. Maybe you're, like, Rain Man, but with toy prices. Maybe you're preparing for a very specific episode of Prices Right that is just on Christmas toys. Hey, there's an idea. <laughs> Man, they would have to get Santa for that. I feel like he's the only one that yeah, would you win. you call it The Price is Wrong, open parenthesis, I want a discount, close parenthesis. Jesus Christ. Uh, that's, that's just retail in America. Right. So, Chris refuses to give up the ghost on not being Santa, so they send him to the Macy's psychology specialist, who is not a doctor, and uh, Chris gives him a really hard time. Yeah, because he's obviously a dick. Yeah, yeah, he is. Uh, They consult an outside party, a geriatric doctor from nearby uh, comes in and gives his opinion, he doesn't think he's dangerous, so Mr. Shellhammer is more than happy to keep Chris on as Santa. Much to the dismay of uh, 
fucking what's her name doris yeah uh despite that uh chris comes to her place and they're hanging out and they're having dinner uh fred's there they're all hanging out talking and stuff um chris shows susan how to play pretend because she's incapable of playing pretend apparently and uh doesn't know what yeah is. Um, definitely leaning more into that sociopath uh, theory you got there. right like she's uh not capable of producing any kind of uh thing from her imagination uh she's gonna be a very unimaginative person she's a perfect fit for a postman exactly government work she's gonna be in government work forever oh yeah for sure and this is the part oh, where that whole sorry. triple strength martini thing happens because they call over to mr shellhammer's house he's trying to convince his wife to let chris stay there but chris decides to stay at fred's place instead i guess that's easier uh he gets to talk to this walker he's just trying to make this kid believe in santa it, it, that's the whole point of this movie is to like make them believe in santa yeah um again with the stuff that happened back in the day that doesn't happen today chris tucks susan in to bed i guess anybody could tuck any kid into bed like i guess if that's just your thing if you live in 1947 you could just go into someone's house like hey that kid need to be tucked in and they'd be like oh yeah that'd be swell please go cool man uh the world is a different we live in a post 9-11 world now so um apparently she's chewing a bunch of bubble gum before bed that's like her thing so she's chewing on this gum just smacking it and then uh chris finally gets out of her what she wants for christmas and that is just a house just a place to live that's not this crappy apartment oh okay cool um that's a hard one yeah well it's like she wants you know the she wants a mom and a dad and a house to right. live in. Ha-ha. like she like like so, so i think that shows us that somewhere deep down susan wants things to be normal because she knows that things are not very normal and i think that that's also a product at the time because now i feel like a kid what maybe wouldn't feel that way other than maybe having two parents mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't think, like, the whole having a house and all that kind of shit, I don't think that's really a thing anymore. I don't think people really care about that. Yeah, I guess it kind of depends on where you're at and who you are. Some people have different priorities and all. Um, I'm more interested in this bubblegum and how Chris Kringle has gone his entire life without experiencing bubblegum. Well, if you live in the North Pole, it's always too cold for bubblegum. Have you ever had, like, almost frozen bubblegum? It's almost impossible to That's enjoy. That's true. That's true. I'm also thinking about, like, how different this scene would be if it took place, like, 20 years prior or 20 years in the future. Because, like, 1947 and 1967, I mean, there's no telling what that bubblegum's going to do to you. You know, maybe Susan just pulls out, like, a tab of acid from the box and just hands it over to Chris <laughs> and he puts it in his mouth. And then just, like, you just hear, like, I don't know, Iron Butterfly just like... Nah, 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 nah. It just starts like dancing around. I don't know. I very different vision. So uh, there's a public relations thing between Gimbal's and Macy's that heats up now. So Gimbal's catches on to what Macy's is doing. They're trying to like bury the hatchet a little bit so that people are cool with both of the places to buy toys. Yeah, and I, I guess it's like a mutual thing. It's like, all right, if you have the better toy, cool. You have the better toy. I'll tell them you have the better toy, but then you tell them when I have the better toys. Yeah. And it's like, I, I really don't know how that's a good business model. I guess it's kind of like a Best Buy and Walmart will always price match guarantee. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Like, like so I guess it's the same thing or like, but this is more like, okay, then if, in order for the, like, this is one of the things I want to debunk. In order for this, like, marketing gimmick to work... Like, let's take the uh, the fire truck, for example. The fire truck that uh, oh, first kid shoots water out of it. Yeah, that, that the first kid wants it. That's where this whole thing starts. In order for this marketing gimmick to work, 
Gimbal's then has to advertise that they have that, and Macy's would have to get rid of it. Like, just have no fire trucks. Oh, yeah. I mean, so that way, Gimbal's is getting all of the fire truck money, but then Gimbal's doesn't have the Care Bears. Macy has Care Bears. Macy's gets all that Care Bear money. But then Care Bears is a much bigger property than fire trucks that split water. So then the Polly Pockets have to be at Gimbal's. Like that's how th- that's how this would have to work. And there is absolutely no way that much synergy would ever happen in a marketing situation ever. Period. End of discussion. Okay, so I think this is under the assumption that we have this like the marketing setup that we have today, where there's large companies like Hasbro and Mattel and all the other ones that have certain brands of toys that belong to them. And maybe you can't just belong to all of the toy distributors like you have to pick one or the other or two of the three and like you're not going to be able to carry toys from certain ones but at this point in time there's probably just some workshop on the other side of town making the rocking horses you know what that's fair that's fair I, I, I take that I take that criticism. But I, I get what you're saying, though. That there would have to be a lot of organization, and no one would do that today. Oh, man. And Amazon can just, I don't know, um, bottom out everything for a Black Friday, Cyber Monday deal, and all of a sudden you've got the, uh, I, I, I don't know what kids play with these days, like the Black China ass-clapping doll? What? I, I'm just thinking about like things that are like relevant in the pop culture somehow translate to children's toys. Like, um, I don't know, the Takashi 6ix9ine speak and spell. Um, speak and snitch. Yeah, exactly. Like, you just put in, like, someone's name, and it tells you what they did. <laughs> Is it accurate? I don't know. But you're gonna get something. No, I think most toys just have poop involved in them lately. Like, the poop emoji? No, like, actual, like, not actual poop, but, like, poop, like, games. Like, I think, like, there's one, like, where it's, like, grab the poop, where, like, you do something around the board, and then the poop shoots out from the middle of the board, and whoever grabs it wins. What? Yeah. Dude, go into a toy store and go look in the game section. You will see at least... 15 fecal-related games. See, this just goes to show how far behind the times America really is in the world. The Germans were doing this in the early 80s. Oh, the Germans have always been into the shit porn. Anyway, we have to move on. Right, we do. Um, Shit toys or not. Chris goes back and talks to Mr. Sawyer. He's that psychological specialist we were talking about earlier. Apparently, he's been doing some of the other employees dirty and telling them stuff that's not true because he's not a doctor and doesn't know things. Uh, probably. And right. so he says, that's messed up. You can't just do this. He whacks him with an umbrella and, oh, there we go. All this other stuff was not cool, but as soon as you touch a guy with an umbrella handle, it's on. Then he gets taken to Bellevue. Which is like a, uh, like a psych Yeah, ward. like a, like a world famous psych ward. Like, that's like the big one for New York City, I guess. Or at least it was. It's kind of like Arkham mm-hmm. Asylum, like from the DC universe. <laughs> and what is New York City but real life Gotham City? There you city. go. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, after this, uh, Fred comes and visits Chris in this insane asylum and is convinced to become his uh, lawyer so that he can get him out of here so that he can go be Santa yeah, Claus. Yeah, I don't know what's up with all this testing stuff anyway. You just kind of ask people to do basic math and like what presidents are. I-, I don't feel like that's a very good way to gauge someone's mental health. Yeah, exactly. And <sighs> if that were the case, like, why Sorry, would you need psychiatric care? You could just have a 20 questions toy and play that. Right. It's, I guess back in the day, it's like, Nope, they're loony if they don't know who uh, John Quincy Adams' vice president was. I guess that was a different time. Uh, I, I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> they also asked him, what is 15 times 3? And it's like, what the fuck? Yeah, 45. 45? Yeah, that's can do right. math. I know things. <laughs> yeah. You can do math. <laughs> anyway, so... 
Fred becomes his attorney to get him out of the psych ward. Yes. Um, Mr. Sawyer realizes how bad he's messed up. So if word gets back to Macy's that he's the reason Chris is in Bellevue, he's going to get fired for sure. Uh, Fred realizes this and just blabs about it to all the papers. And this scene with the headlines and just the ear assault of Christmas music, it's so loud. <laughs> I love it. I love it. it. <laughs> Did you? Was it a rip headphone user situation? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Like, I feel like it, this could very quickly become that. Let's say you're watching this on your computer. Um, I don't know. Maybe your headphone volume is down, but your computer volume is up. It's just blaring in your ears, peeking out. Like, it, it's really, really loud. <laughs> Jesus. Maybe, maybe they had to drive home that this was a Christmas movie because it, in fact, came out in June. Yeah. That's one way to do it. I guess you could really do that with just about any movie. I'm thinking, like, the newest Rambo movie, but, like, uh, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas is playing on the radio in a car. You just turn it into a Christmas <laughs> <Is> that... movie. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, let's um, let's move on into the trial. Uh, we can kind of move through this because it's kind of ridiculous. It is, um, but you know what I did appreciate about this is that it makes everyone look good. No one looks like a bad guy here. No, because the you honestly understand where the state's coming from. Yeah, of course. But you also you also want to see them legally prove that he's Santa Claus, even if it is for a bullshit reason. That we'll get to in about a couple right. of minutes. So the judge talks to uh, I don't actually remember who that guy is he's like a, a political figure is he like the mayor is he like uh i don't know he's talking about re-election so the judge's like gotta get re-elected people are not gonna like you if you prosecute santa claus and then his family turns their back on him <laughs> it's Bad. like the california equivalent of uh going after in and out burger legally and then your whole family disowns you right because if there's no in and out there's no california exactly. Uh, how are we going to get tax money if we don't have in and out i i don't know i think your whole state would just finally catch on it fire it already has again <laughs> oh no just the whole state just the whole thing just burns oh, up i see once and for I all see. so it just can't take it anymore <laughs> it just can't take the heartbreak anymore. right like so uh fred takes the case he actually leaves his position at the firm that he was working at to pursue this case full-time Right, because I guess it's like a, for him, it's like a high stakes thing. Mm -hmm. Like, if he wins this case, there's nobody that won't want him as a lawyer. You put it on your resume. Literally proved the existence of Santa Claus. Literally proved the existence of Santa Claus. Got someone off on charges by proving they are Santa Claus. Hey man, if they're going to take away my breaking and entering charge by making me Santa Claus, I'll take what I can get. Exactly. But anyway, so this all kind of speeds along, and uh, Susan is there for the whole thing, and she's actually starting to believe in Santa Claus a little yes, bit. Yes, she is. Uh, she actually writes a letter to him saying that she's sorry it's happening, that I believe in you, and you know, all the stuff that they were talking about, like her uh, Christmas wish to have a house. She, yeah, and she really wants this house for whatever reason. Like, a full-size house. Maybe it's because she's so realistic in her mind like she forgot to ask for the barbie playhouse ah. and she just asked for a real or house maybe her brain is so developed from having to think logically all the time that she's like what are humans but giant poly pockets <laughs> she's going to play with her giant new parents yes. in this poly pocket yes, plastic house. people under plastic steeples that sounds like it comes from one of those far right documentaries oh yeah is that so how many far right documentaries <laughs> have you watched i i've watched none However, that sounds like something that I would hear coming from that. I actually just saw like a, um, I guess it's like a movie called The Trump Prophecy. I didn't watch it, but I saw something about it online. And it's pretty much about a pastor who 
I guess endorses Donald Trump because God tells him that Donald Trump is supposed to be the next president of the United States. I mean, I, it worked once. Uh, why not do it for the second election? <laughs> I, I guess so. I don't know when that movie came out. It might have came out around the time of that. But you know what? I, I'm i just going to let Trump it go. The Trump prophecy, I guess, could go either way. That either sounds like something that like a, like a very religious like group is going to put out as like a propaganda tool or something that Michael Moore is going to put out after writing an entire script and drinking an entire bottle of bourbon. Yes. It could go either way. Anyway, we spent enough time on yes. this. So Susan writes a letter and uh, Doris actually signs it too, that she believes that he's Santa Claus as well. So she's also dropping the facade permanently. Yes, and she's finally not going to put all of the angst and aggression surrounding her own divorce trials and tribulations onto her daughter. Which is beautiful. It's kind of fucked Great. up if you think about it. Uh, it. It's extremely fucked up, but all of our parents fucking push their own bullshit onto uh, yeah, us. Yeah, but like... If the, uh, what? With the intensity that she pursues not believing in Santa Claus, it's a backlash from a divorce. You're you know taking what? out your divorce on it Santa was, Claus. It was 1947, man. Leave her alone. I, <laughs> she did the best she could. Santa Claus? Santa Claus. You, you couldn't have become a baby. Santa Claus represents the patriarchy. <laughs> no, Santa Claus just represents the patriarchy. Oh, here we go again. It's just... Would you like to move on, or would you like All to right, talk Michael about this? All right, Michael Moore. Let's. Go. Okay, fine. Thanks. I'm taking. I'm. I'm adding that to the fat jokes John has made about me. All Jared. right. Uh, okay, Let's go Mor on. Morgan Spurlock. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, that that's at least chubby. I'll I'll put that in the compliments okay. pile. <laughs> um. <laughs> So then the uh, the post office somehow, I guess they decided to stop and look at this one letter that fucking Susan sent. And it was like, to Santa Claus? Yeah. At the courthouse? It's the two Italian dudes talking about pizza. It's like, hey. <laughs> oh, no, it's the pizza? It's pizza. The pizza. We got another oh. one of these things coming down here. This is a letter to Santa Claus. Oh, I guess go put it on top of the pile. Wait, does that one have a real address on it? I, I, oh. I don't even know. I, I live at the pizza shop. You live at the pizza... What's mama cooking Pierogies. Pierogies and pizza? And pizzas. Oh, you know what? We could get done with everything today, right now, if we if we just send all of these letters to Santa Claus and send them to this one address. And it's going to probably be really convenient to the plot. And you know what? Then we can leave for the day and we can go have pizza and pierogies. Yeah, 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 pizza. And, and bucci la capa. I love Italy. <laughs> I love I love Italian Americans. They they are they are the only group of people that everyone collectively makes fun of. Anyway, um so just shocking twist of events. Every single fucking letter that was written to Santa Claus, I guess in the New York city limits. Uh yeah, I'm going to go was, ahead and say uh, that it's the proper city of New York. Right. And so um, Fred uses this as evidence that he is Santa Claus because if he gets mail as Santa Claus, he has to be Santa Claus, right? Because right? the post office recognizes that he is, in fact, Santa Claus. Right, because, and I've heard, a, in researching this episode, a lot of people had a problem with this plot point. But actually, in 1947, the post office was actually a cabinet-level department in the executive branch of the United States. From 1829 to 1971. So, if the post office says you are this person, then legally you are this person. Alright, uh, I enjoy this as, like, a historical bit, and I'm also entertained by the thought of this, like, applying today. 
Like, can you imagine in today's political climate if they were, like, using the post office as, like, a political, like, sham, like, <laughs> like they do everything else? It'd just be, like, highly politicized. Who's gonna be the next postmaster general? Jesus, we have to vote on him? Like, what, what parties are there? Um, the Sunday part, the work on Sunday party, and the not work on Sunday uh, party? Like, like what, what parties are there for a postmaster uh, general? The close at 2.30 p.m. party and the close at 2.45 p.m. party. Oh, man, those 15 minutes make up a lot of ideological differences, I guess. Absolutely do. Uh, also, the hour-long lunch closure party. Oh, shit, so the entire post office shuts down for an hour? I don't agree with that. Fuck that. <laughs> it's just that people don't need to... I'm not gonna make any... No, we're not talking about this. <laughs> you know what? We talked about all this okay. stuff. We talked about putting your divorce out on your kid. We talked about uh, a Santa Claus being homeless and searching toy prices like some kind of Christmas rain man. I draw the line at the post office. <laughs> you draw the line at the post office. Okay, John. You know what? You know what might make you feel better? The heartwarming ending to this. Chris is officially legally Santa Claus whatever the fuck that means right and so just bags and bags and bags of santa letters come in and um everybody yeah, wins nobody looks like a bad guy santa claus is now legally real and uh they go to the macy's christmas party they go to the Macy's. well first of all uh doris comes and meets up with him and asks him out to dinner well not asks him out to dinner like a day but asks him if he wants to come over for dinner and he's like well it's christmas eve and then he disappears off into the night who knows what he's actually doing i guess if he's really santa claus he's delivering presents but if he's not then i guess he's just gonna go hide somewhere for a little bit like oh man i gotta wait till yeah, morning it's like a plausible deniability i think if miss walker asked him out to dinner though we're very quickly looking at like a tim allen santa claus situation Ooh. where he has like a family and like problems that are related to like having a family like he's a dad as well as being santa claus jesus because that would make him <laughs> susan's stepfather and santa claus i i don't want this reality anymore <laughs> Okay, so they go to the Macy's Christmas party. Um, she, she being Susan, I guess, uh, is disappointed that the house isn't there. I don't know why she thought that was going to happen. She's been such a realistic child up to this point. Why would she think the house would be at Macy's? Right, like there's no indicator that there's a house given to her. Be like, well, uh, we're in an apartment or in a building. Uh, I, I don't know what she wanted, but uh, I can't do that. That's not possible. And then uh, they go for a drive. Chris gives them like uh, an address or some directions, and then she sees the house. She runs into the house, and they they see his cane in there. So he is a he is breaking and entering. It happened at least one time. I I there's so much that happens in this ending scene where. He looked like Fred looks horrified when he sees the cane. He's like, maybe I didn't do such a good thing after all. And then I just imagine like the dead bodies of the people that Chris had murdered to make the house available. Like just fall from the ceiling. Like he only just taped them up there. Like a little bit of blood starts spackling onto Doris and Fred's faces. And then they look up and the bodies just fall onto them. Oh, no. And then Chris comes down the chimney and is like, Ho, ho, ho. You should have known what you've done. And then just like cuts Fred's head off and then goes and runs and takes Susan to the North Pole, wherever that is. I don't know where it actually is. And then Doris spends the sequel having to get Susan back. That's the movie I thought was about to happen. Um, do you think the North Pole is at the true North Pole or at the magnetic North Pole? <laughs> I think the North Pole is just a name of a strip club that's, uh, that Chris Kringle owns. That is a lot. I don't want to think about that. <laughs> 
<laughs> like and subscribe if you want us to make this version of the movie. <laughs> no, we're not making any movies, and that is definitely not the movie we would make. <laughs> what if it ended like this? Anyway. Right. Uh, we could do Miracle so, on 34th Street 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Miracle on 34th Street 2, taking it to 36th. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Uh, what, they just walk a few city blocks? Yeah. But do they eat a hot dog from the they hot just, dog they just, stand? They, they just walk two streets over and do the same movie all over I again. I feel like you could sum up most like movies that take place in New York with that. Like, what's the one where uh, Tom Hanks has like the big bookstore and then there's the small bookstore? Oh, that's, um, that's uh, You've Got yeah, Mail. So you could basically boil that movie down into a couple scenes of people walking around on the streets of New York. Uh, Elf, mm-hmm. you could also boil down to a few like scenes on the streets of New York. That's a sad plot for a movie, by the way, if you think about it. Uh, Why? Elf, a grown man, believes he grew up in the North Pole, uh, has met Santa Claus, goes to New York City, continues to be an elf, searches for his biological father, gets rejected several times, goes to a work release program where he works alongside parolees, uh, gets rejected by his dad at a board meeting, goes, contemplates suicide, jumping off a bridge, imagines Santa coming to town, keeps him from committing suicide, his brother comes, and uh, it just works out? <laughs> I it is it is indeed a sad movie. Like I think when most people think of Elf, I think they forget or don't realize that like he is contemplating suicide in that moment. He's moments. legally homeless for most of the film. He's legal. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like Chris. I, I guess in ways, Miracle on 34th Street and Elf are the same movie. I mean, at least Chris Kringle had a mailing address, and buddies would have just been like the North Pole. Like, right? What? <laughs> anyway. John, I think we have to wrap it up for this. All week. right. Well, um, I thought this was a good movie, despite all of the um, interesting inconsistencies between their time and ours. I think that it is uh, a very heartwarming story about the innocence of Christmas time and forgetting the commercialization and being with the people you care about and remembering to uh, throw a bone to the idea that there is more to this world than meets the eye. There, because. Magic is around us, and magic is only what we can't explain. So, d- learn to not be able to explain right. things. That's what you I You gotta think. have a little bit of magic in your life. You gotta go to Friday Night Magic, you gotta buy a couple booster packs, you gotta do a couple pickup games, and don't forget no. to do 20 to count lives or whatever the hell they do with that. No, we're not encouraging any of that. None of that. If you play Magic the Gathering, fuck you. Don't listen to this podcast. Hot anyway. Uh, we couldn't uh, get out of here without at least one. <laughs> There's one. Even in a Christmas episode, still fuck the weebs. <laughs> um, anyway, for your information, I'm and Zach. I'm John. Thank you. Um, and yeah, actually, for real, fuck weebs. This is my destiny. Like, I'm gonna be like, I, I said, I've said it a million times, like 80 years old, full Jimmy Buffett mode. I got a margarita in one hand, and I got, like, a uh, an NRA magazine in the other hand. Leathery ass on the beach. <laughs> Florida. Life is good. I I just imagine you're going to die within a week, because you're just going to have all, like, like, vices in full view, and it's just going to be, like, over for you. Either that, or maybe the stress that comes with fighting your inner self will be released, and that's how I'm going to survive. Holy shit. Think about it, man. Think about how often we tell ourselves, no, or I won't be able to do this, or I can't do that. If we stopped doing all that stuff, we'd all pretty much be homeless, but we would uh, be at peace with ourselves. We would be at peace with ourselves. Yes. I like in total annihilation. Tomato, no regrets about my life. Um, 
if you are a parrot head, you should have many regrets about your life. Number one, what led you to become a parrot head? But this is not a parrot head podcast. Maybe it should be. Can we have a parrot head podcast? Is that a thing? I'm absolutely sure it's a thing. Let's not look it up. And all the gratuitous amount of tequila that I'm going to consume when I'm a parrot head. And I guess I'll take my vacation days to come visit you. Yeah, you will, because I'll have a boat. It'll be warm. And uh, everyone around me is going to be way older than I am. Way older? Well, yeah, because I figure I'm going to probably start this around like age 48, maybe 52. Everyone else is going to be at least 68. Jesus Christ. But that's what I want to do. I want to stand around in my sandals playing shuffleboard. You want... What? At 48? Like, I feel like at 48, you could still go do fun stuff. Like, you don't have to be this person. That is fun stuff, Zach. Shuffleboard is fun. Yeah. H- have you ever played shuffleboard, or are you talking about the idea of shuffleboard? Are you talking about the aesthetic of playing shuffleboard? Like, the aesthetic of having, like, no shits to give left in the world? Is that what you're talking about? Or are you talking about playing actual fucking shuffleboard? Because I might goddamn strangle you. Okay, so, basically, have you seen that clip art photo of the guy with the grill and, like, someone just put the text, I just want a grill for God's sakes on it? You know, like, I could just spend all my time in the gym. Because fitness is also a big part of that Florida lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, like, but that's like having buff arms, but then having a tummy. Like, that's that's the Florida. Well, have you seen the, um, the, the, the phenomenon, like the big gut phenomenon, where people just lift so much and their muscle collects in masses on their torso. And, like, they look fat as fuck, but they can pick up, like, hundreds of pounds at a time. Oh, you're talking about, um... Power lifters. Yeah, that's yeah, what I'm yeah, talking yeah. about. See, I can get down with that because people will still believe that I'm in the lifestyle, but I will also have the weight and I will also, also be kind of healthy. So you can like, so like if anyone's ever like, you know, trying to mack on your chick while you're at the barbecue, you can just pick them up and throw them across the yard. And then you realize it's your son and he was trying to give your, your wife a peck on the cheek and then she divorces you and then you're really living the Jimmy Buffett lifestyle? See, this is under the assumption that my adult son made it back to my house after he got in the fistfight at the Applebee. Oh, okay. So, what you're saying is you beat the living shit out of your fictitious son at an Applebee's, so much so that you're not entirely sure how he's alive? Um, I just, well, I, I can't verify that he's alive because he's not there. He was alive when I saw him last. Which was at the Applebee's where you beat the shit out of we him. We got in a fight. Because you had too many Dollaritas. <sighs> How many Dollaritas would you have to have? At that point, my mass and metabolism would probably require that I drink like 35 Dollaritas. Actually, uh, I can't remember what the new one is, but I- I've seen a lot of people on the internet talking about them and how much alcohol is actually in them because after about five people are getting like wasted oh man for a dollar each even plus tax that's worth it yeah like if it's actually a good amount of alcohol there is absolutely no reason to not go to applebee's this holiday season bro i know what i am doing for christmas this year oh dude yeah i'm gonna go ruin some poor waitress's christmas eve go to applebee's get wasted like get buy 10 dollaritas because fuck it why not Leave a $10 tip, you'll still come out better than you would have at any other bar, and then go watch the new Cats movie, because it'll probably fuck you up a little bit. So, uh, when does that movie come out? I think it comes out either, like, a couple days before Christmas or Christmas Day. I don't know. I don't care. I'm not going to see it. Uh, okay. I I never really understood the phenomenon of releasing movies at Christmas time. Like... Oh. <laughs> fuck you. 